0: Welcome to a brand new episode of Frontend Happy Hour. This is episode 43, and we are joined by Preethi Reddy to talk to us about starting out as a beginner in the programming industry. Preethi gave an excellent keynote talk at React Rally in Salt Lake City about what it's like to be a beginner, and we thought it was really inspiring and a great talk that we wanted to discuss it on an episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Preethi. Can you give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is?
1: So I'm Preeti ready I'm currently a blockchain engineer, actually. Um, my background is I was actually a venture capitalist a couple of years ago. I worked at Andreessen and Horowitz. And so my job was to meet with entrepreneurs every single day and decide whether Andreessen and Horowitz would invest in them. And. Uh, I met with a lot of amazing entrepreneurs and eventually wanted to be in their shoes, but the one missing skill set I felt like I didn't have was knowing how to build my own product. And if I was going to build my own company, I wanted to build it myself. And that's when I started to teach myself how to code and then eventually fell in love with code and became a software engineer. So then I worked at Coinbase after that and a few other um, contracting stuff. And now I'm doing 100% blockchain engineering.
0: That's awesome. I love that story too. Just like got to build it myself and I'll jump right in.
1: And my favorite beverage is uh, this Japanese whiskey called Yamazaki.
0: It's a delicious whiskey that's very hard to find. (laughs) (laughs) Let's also go around the table and give brief introductions to today's episode's panelists. Derek, do you want to start off? Sure. Um, My name is Derek Showers. I am a senior software engineer at LinkedIn.
2: I'm Stacy London. I'm a front-end engineer at Atlassian.
0: And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. Before we get started, I'd uh, love to kind of hear what inspired you to give the talk at React Rally.
1: That's a good question. So I made the transition from, I was an engineering college, but I made the transition from being a non-software engineer to a software engineer. And, th- and I did it pretty relatively quickly, but like within a year I was able to get a full-time job as, soft- as a software engineer. So because I wrote about it, a lot of people have reached out to me saying like, how do I do the same thing? How do I follow the same path? And it was just kind of becoming this thing where they wanted a lot of advice, but it was hard to scale that. And I felt like I really wanted to help them, but I couldn't help them individually. And then I started this series called Ask Preeti series, and it just like really took off, and I realized how much value there is in helping beginners, and I realized that As programmers, sometimes we grow ourselves and we become advanced, but we don't realize what we were when we were a beginner and we forget that there's there's a lot of beginners struggling. And so I kind of wanted to give this talk to motivate other people who might be interested in helping beginners also help beginners.
0: Yeah, it definitely made me realize like, wow, there's a lot of things I could do to help encourage others. And I think, yeah, it was just a really motivating uh, talk. So thank you for sharing it. (laughs) In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Beginner. Beginner, beginner. if at any point in the episode we'll say the word beginner, we'll all take a drink. All right, well, let's get started. What was the first exposure to code that you've all experienced?
2: I can tell my nerdy story. I was like 15 and my parents got their first computer. Uh, or like the first family computer, and this is very long time ago. So I was, I my my mom at work said she had gotten a computer, and this coworker was like, "Hey, cool! I have this game called Civilization. You, your kids would probably like it." Gave her these floppy disks because this is a very long time ago, <laughs> and brought these floppy disks home. And I tried to play it, and I couldn't play it. And it was because um, you had to disable the mouse. This is like all really nonsense kind of stuff but I was so I really wanted to play it so I ended up calling the like 1-800 number on the on the package to be like how do I do how do I play this game and this person walked me through the like editing the auto exec bat file to like comment out something for the mouse driver so that I could actually play it and then I, I played it and I was like whoa you can change things in a computer and like it does things when you change things so that was sort of this moment of like Cool, maybe there's more that I could do to like tell a computer what to do. So that was kind of like my very, very first.
3: You're like that person on the phone was really smart. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that it was hardware too. At that point, well, it wasn't even it was software. software.
0: You were just like, I'm gonna manipulate the hardware.
3: I was uh, around the same age, um, and I decided I was gonna start my own web design, as I called it, web design company. Um, and so I lived in a really small town in Pennsylvania, and we went to like the uh my friend of mine and i went to the um uh tire like mechanic shop and and said we'd do a website for them and we were like trying to make money but then we realized that we'll just do it for free (laughs) and then we did that to another place another place and we did all these free websites we never actually made any money so it was a really shitty business um but um yeah we uh we started our own thing and um we even went to the bank and applied for um like a credit card in our or like a debit card in, a, in our 15? name i was maybe like 16 or 17.
2: It's awesome
3: but the best part is, the, I got a I got a letter from the IRS like a couple years later, and our our web design company was called DNS because Derek and Steve's yes. Derek DNS web design company, and so I got this letter from the IRS a couple years later, and it says BNS Web W E B B Design. So clearly, like the bank never relayed the right uh, like name to the IRS and. So if the IRS is ever looking for BNS web design, I guess,
0: I guess. Wait, what do you pay when you're making nothing to to the RRS?
3: No, yeah, I didn't. We actually, I didn't pay anything to them, but yeah. we were able to get our own credit card out of <laughs> and our own checkbook, so people could pay to BNS web design. That's awesome.
2: <laughs>
1: Mine was a little bit different. So, because I didn't start web desi- web programming until like a couple years ago. Uh, my first interaction was in college, and I was an industrial and systems engineer. And We kind of took all kinds of engineering courses, and one of the requirements was you had to take CS101 and CS102. But I had this like, weird conception of what so- computer science was at the time. I thought it was just like, some really nerdy people sitting in their basements like coding and like, had no social life. And so I was avoiding CS101 and 102 as much as I can. And It was like junior year and I couldn't avoid it any longer because it was a requirement. And then I was like, all right, I'll take it in a community college because I just didn't want to take it as my main course. I took it. And it was like C sharp or something or C, plus, I forget C plus plus or C sharp, and it was like the worst class in the world. And it goes to show you that your first experience with coding really, really matters in terms of how whether you get into it or not. Because at the time for me it was just a class and it was a forced class and it was like a duty and I just did it and I was I forgot about it.
0: Yeah, especially when it's like forced on you in yeah. a way that that
2: kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah, the first class I took was like Pascal and I hated it. I like, yeah. Ooh, it was like, I, don't, I terrible. might, and it made me like almost reconsider dropping <laughs> computer stuff all I was like, this is the worst. I don't want to want to do this.
1: Exactly. And I think it's like, what people have to realize is like, there's no, everyone kind of finds their niche eventually. And it's about continuing to try different things until you find something that you like.
0: I was thinking about it. My first exposure was probably Angel Fire. Do you guys remember those yeah. awful, awful yes. sites? Yes! And Geocities, yeah. G-Sities. I don't know which one was first, but I definitely played with both of them. And so, I don't even know if I really realized what I was doing at the time when I was exposed to it, but obviously doing like HTML and some CSS, I thought about like some of the first sites I built and they were graffiti-oriented or cars-related, because that was what I was into, so why not build an Angel AngelFire Geocities site? So that that was my first exposure in like, high school probably at that time yeah so not a big career changer at the time but very cool to get started into it it's interesting too like
3: in the cs 101 like i did that in college because i always like like i i didn't go to school for for cs but like i had always been dabbling in it so like the the you know the the web design thing and then i went to college and i took a cs 101 course but it's interesting like when you take these courses you don't really have the practical um application so it's kind of like like i think to your point prithi is it's like you're taking these courses and you don't really like understand why or like what this is actually used for so it does seem kind of pointless and then you're just kind of like one of the part of the, the nerdy people that hang out in their basement <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and write like for loops all day is like yeah. okay this is fun but <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and I think it like I think that's why it's so I find it kind of sad that some of the like your CS 101 course teacher would will, will make a make or break in my opinion like my teacher just like didn't care and he like we just gave us homework and it was just like, just do this and learn this. And it was just like, he never gave us a real world insight into what this was actually doing and how I can apply this. And so I think, I wish like colleges did a better job of actually like really evaluating those teachers and like whether they're the right people to be doing it, honestly
0: you need that practical reason for doing yeah. it. Even like teaching someone as simple as like a variable and you're like, oh, this will just get used again. It doesn't really make much log- logical sense until you're actually putting it to practice. And you're like, oh yes, I totally get this or I totally get why I would use an array. But just saying, there's this great thing in an array and you're like, well, okay, cool. Like, what does that actually mean? And like, how would I leverage that? I went into the same things in school too where I felt like some languages, some of the back end languages that were taught to me I felt like I didn't really grasp why I would use something like that. Whereas like with front end, I could see it. I could see something changing and I was manipulating something right in the DOM that was showing up on the browser. I'm like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. But when you're just getting some coding challenge thing that you're like, I don't really see this take shape. It's tough. It's tough.
1: It feels like a math problem. It doesn't feel like programming or building something.
0: It's not as exciting. I want to create something. I want to see something happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's why I think most of us ended up doing something with, with front-end, and yeah. Yeah, wanted that visual satisfaction, like, I made a thing, I can see that thing, as opposed to like, this abstract, theoretical kind of thing.
0: Uh, what about the first language that everyone learned? I heard a few people mention some of the languages, but what was the first like true programming language that you really dove into? I think when I was serious about it, it was PHP.
3: Uh, and that sounds weird, but I hate, I hate. I've done a ton of PHP. <laughs> like when I actually wanted to build, you know, have something more than just uh, uh, some HTML, like, yeah, site for a m- automotive place in Mount Joy, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I needed to do a little bit more and PHP could do that. So yeah, I built my own, my first blog on PHP and like build my own CMS on PHP and read PHP for dummies.
1: Was Uh that a good book? Yeah, it was one of the best. Isn't that like (laughs) super popular back then? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For me, it was. uh, Tried to learn how to program after college. Um, I started with Python, and something about it didn't really click for me. Uh, And I tried a few different times. I tried Python the hard way. I tried like various Treehouse online courses. Something didn't click, but. Then my ex-boyfriend at the time was like, why are you learning Python? Go learn JavaScript. And I was like, what's JavaScript? And then I went home, Googled it. I remember the next day I didn't even go to work. I just like stayed home and just did JavaScript all day and I was hooked. Um, and I think JavaScript is such an amazing language for beginners. And it's, it's the visual feedback, it's the direct feedback you get. It's the lack of all these complex tools. All you need is like an IDE or like a, and a browser, which everyone has. And like, there's no types, which is a huge deal, I think. Just a lot of, uh, a lot of benefits to JavaScript. It's just so lightweight, and just like, it's a scripting language in the end, if you, you, you can think about it that way. So I think it's really amazing for beginners. If it wasn't for JavaScript, I don't think I don't know if I'd be programming. Honestly, it was like my gateway drug.
3: <laughs> I totally agree. I, I think it's it's funny too because like when you so like my first actual professional job was working with a lot of JSPs and stuff. And so like with with Java or JSPs or whatever, you 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 with any sort of like typed language, you get into this like place where at least with JSP's it's like, I would write something and then like I just get a blank page and I, it would take me like hours to figure out <laughs> how to get the page not to be blank. And, and with this JavaScript is you don't have that issue. Like, yeah, you can write shitty JavaScript, but like at least you're able to like see yeah. every single thing that you're you're doing and you're able to like make improvements on that. So
0: I think that that's a good point too, is that with JavaScript, you, you can write really poor JavaScript, it's going to work, but you can slowly learn how to make it more performant, more scalable, and you just... But at least you have something. You're you're not having to get over that hurdle. You can slowly get over it. Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, I would say I would agree with the JavaScript. That changed everything for me. I took JavaScript class after that Pascal class, and I was like, because I switched programs, and the other program didn't even have JavaScript. This one did, and I was like, yes, this is what I wanted. That lightweight, like I can see something happen really quickly. Um, and years later, like you said, JSPs, I did that years later. I I, did, I built JEE, you know, <laughs> Enterprise, Java, Struts apps. And I remember trying to get hello like a, a basic app running, and it took half a day, and you needed this super complex IDE to compile everything. And it just took so much work to get that going. And there was some JavaScript, and it, it was very lightweight, like jQuery or whatever. So anyway, I think... Yeah, JavaScript really changed it for me. My very first job out of school, I did a little bit of JavaScript, but it was like LotusScript, which is a variant of ECMAScript. So it was very similar in some ways, but also weird. So I had like this very bizarre path of like JavaScript HTML and CSS was always the like the the common denominator, and then on top of that were these other like application languages of like JSPs and JE or ASP.net or like over the years various application web application languages but that other stuff was the thread that kept me going because I knew that stuff was the stuff that I really loved. Yeah.
0: Do you miss writing .NET?
1: <laughs> no. Have you seen the new .net? It's not that bad. No, it, it is better.
0: I haven't actually had to write anything in it, but I've looked at the syntax and I'm like, okay, it's, it's a little a bit little nicer. Better, yeah. But I wrote enough .NET to be <laughs> like, now nah, you've scarred me for life. I'm not doing that. My actual first like language that I would say that I spent a lot of time in was AS2, like Flash. I did a little bit of AS1, but AS2, I spent a ton of time building like applications and was totally bought into the Flash. I, like loved it. And I wrote AS3 when that came out and it was a lot better. There was so much like <laughs> classes, everything was so much better about the language. But then, you know, Flash for some reason died and JavaScript made a lot more sense for me to be doing. I did a little bit of JavaScript while I was doing Flash, but it just I was kind of pigeonholed into doing a lot of Flash applications, so that's what I did. Do you guys remember the first big mistake you made programming? I remember mine. I I think I've already mentioned this on an episode before, but... Let's hear it again.
3: <laughs> I was like, I, my first job, I was definitely not, uh, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And um, I was, I kind of like fell victim of the, like, I wasn't sure what I was doing, but I just need to like, and I was also in an agency, so it was very high pressure. And like, every, everyone's like, oh, we need to get things done quickly. And there's like, yeah, we're going to lose this client if we don't like get this, this in. And, and so I remember working on, um, a popular pet company, not Petco, but the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Their website, and uh, I pushed this this fix up to this thing I broke, and like you know, I think when you're when you're kind of new. You decide. You, you think you can fix things really quickly and like no one will notice. So you you, you know you, you push the code really quickly and you're like ah this, I, like this flew under the radar. I <laughs> Pushed this code that changed all of the prices so that it looked like the the price on the website was actually the sales price. Sale price. So like all of the prices dropped like by by uh, this like pretty significant amount. And um, I remember my, my boss walked over to me and he's like he said next to me he's like this is this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> And we were an agency, so we didn't really have a really good way of reverting things quickly. And, um, you know, so it, it, it was like more of a fixed forward thing. And, uh, and so, yeah, but I learned a lot from that in that you, you know, sometimes just need to take your time. Even if you made a mistake, everyone makes
0: mistakes. And, you, you know, you just, you can like revisit that later, but take your time to fix the mistakes. That's actually a good point, too. Is when there is a, ma- a mistake made, don't panic. It's oh, like yeah. it's software, it, we can fix it and either push out a patch or another release, and it's not the end of the world. I mean, it happens.
2: Not a beginner thing. Cheers. 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 Yeah, it's been like <laughs> slow on that. <laughs> Cheers i'll talk about a mistake i made recently just to at least give the audience an idea that like you make really bad mistakes your entire career no matter what level you're at and i um i deleted our selenium test user like because i had the capability to do that and i had 17 windows up open and i was trying to do something with that locally and i i was like messed that user up and i needed to like recreate it and I thought I was in my local instance to delete that user, and I had the access to do it in our staging environment. I deleted our Selenium user that like ran all our Selenium tests, um, and that was like this moment of like you you feel like you might pass out. Your like face goes red, and you're like, oh, I just did something horrible. And then you know you talk to a few people and. Thankfully, it wasn't actually that big of a deal. We got we're able to recreate it fairly easily. But that moment of like, I just screwed everything up. You know that it happens. In I me. mean, it
0: happens. Obviously, you're not going to run your tests necessarily in production, but you can delete stuff in production and yeah. affect customers. You just affected other engineers, so that's not the end of the world either.
2: Yeah, you just like basically, I just affected like the ability for those tests to run, so that deploys could happen. Like we're doing like continuous deployment, things right. go out, you know, fairly frequently. So I kind of held up things for a little bit, but like. Everyone was pretty cool about it. They're just like, it it happens. It's no big deal.
1: Yeah, we make, I mean, I make silly mistakes all the time. Like yesterday, I was like writing a bunch of Python scripts for deploying some smart contracts. And then the script kept running twice. I'm like, why is this thing running twice? And I sat there for like half an hour. I'm like, I'm not instantiating this class twice. And I realized I was instantiating the class and importing Importing the class and it. and I was like what like this is the dumbest thing ever like so you, you you run into these mistakes all the time, and I think the difference is that when you're a beginner it's like they stump you for some. Reason. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> when you're a beginner they stump you and you don't really you don't have you don't have as much muscle willpower to fight through that and I think that's just something that grows over time. So for me if I had to pick like the dumbest mistake, it's that like I wouldn't think think through. Uh, some of the stuff I was running through, I just get like sometimes frustrated. I'd just be like, "Okay, I ran into this error," and I'd like just be stumped. And like instead of like looking at the stack trace or Go- or stack overflowing that, or looking at my code or thinking through what could be all the possible cases, and so like I think that's something that you just like get better and better at over time.
2: Yeah, and I think like uh, if you as a new person, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, yes, a beginner. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> If you um, are li- like debugging something, I think pairing up with someone who has been doing it for a little bit longer is an awesome way to yeah. debug, because then you see their uh, the way that they attack the problem, the way that they think through how to f- uh, troubleshoot it. I've been doing that a lot, or I try to with the in- one of the interns that we have to say, like, hey, you're working on this bug, let's troubleshoot it together, and I'll show you how I try and look at it yeah. and-, and figure it out.
0: I think that's good for anyone too like even a seasoned engineer working with another engineer of like oh I never thought about it that way so I I like that approach. I was trying to think of like some of my first like very first mistakes I made a ton of them but I even was thinking back to it as like one of this one time I don't know if I've mentioned it before on a podcast but just like when I was new to Git and like Git is awesome and so great but when you run into like a problem it can be a big issue and I was new to Git, and I was on a newer team at the time, and so this is like, not- I wasn't a beginner. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> it, I was new to Git, and I was trying to put something in release, and waited way too long to pull from Master, and so I had a ton of merge conflicts, and we were trying to push out the release, so I held up the entire release. That was embarrassing. But, whatever, my team helped me, we got through it. It wasn't the end of the world, other than we were stuck there a little bit later that night. Then it also made me realize, uh, I don't know if you ever remember the times before Git or before SBN, I worked at an agency where we grabbed stuff from the network and you would pull them down and maybe like mark it, like, I'm working on this file. Uh, there was times that not, I did, I did this, but so did other colleagues. We had overwrite our, our files and so, I'd re- overwrite my own files or I would overwrite someone else's files. That was a costly mistake because you might lose a whole day's worth of work because someone overwrote it. And like we were just like FTPing to sites. It's crazy to think that how far we've come. That wasn't even that long ago where we didn't use a version control method. And that, it's crazy, but yeah, that caused a lot of and headaches and it was stupid mistakes but we're all human we make those mistakes that's why we have git for version control so it made me remember that and just be like oh i do not miss those days <laughs> 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 how did each of you get over becoming new to programming like I, I feel like we all feel maybe that imposter syndrome i still feel it today but how do you feel like you get over that hump
1: i think it's honestly just perseverance um pushing through each time and growing that muscle that I was talking about of being able to not get stumped each time, but instead kind of changing your mindset to be like, all right, this is the problem. I just have to figure it out. Because like I think when I, I just remember when I was a beginner, um, I would think like, oh, this is impossible. Like, I can't, this is impossible. I can't solve this problem. It'd be like, I can't. It's like that. I that mentality just like completely changed now. It's like I know there's a solution to everything. It's just about how hard I'm willing to work to figure that out, and how long, how persistent I am. It's not that I'm pulling all nighters, but like I'll make sure to figure it all the way through. Um, yeah.
0: At what point do you call for help too? Like, is there like yeah. a point where you... Because I've done that too where I've hit the wall where I've spent three or four hours on something and I go, wait, maybe I should ask someone for help? Yeah,
1: it depends. Like right now I'm doing a lot of independent development, so sometimes there's really not much help I can ask besides open source repos or open issues or parse through random... Honestly, right now my help is source code, but as a beginner sometimes you don't, we are not at that level and so for me, when I was at Coinbase, and I was pretty beginner at that time.
0: Cheers. Cheers.
3: <laughs> You're on a roll
1: there. <laughs> I would ask for help all the time, uh, to the point where I would be tapping on my colleague's shoulder probably four or five times a day, and like I just didn't care because I wanted to get as good as I can, as quickly as I can, and not have to bother that person anymore. Luckily, I think there's a a few people in each company that are willing to help those people, and you got to find that one person who's like willing to just drop his things and just like or her things and help you. And I and I think every company has that. Just just find that person and ask. I think, especially when you're new, it's okay to ask questions. But if you're there for five years and then you're asking the same questions, it might be a little bit different. So take advantage of that beginner time to ask questions. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Yeah, I think I was like three beginners in a row. So. But I like that point too, is take advantage of it, it's like, I'm new to this, I need help, and ask for help. Not that I won't ask for help now, but it's it feels a lot easier when you're like, I'm new, how, how would I know this?
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: So one of the ways that, that I guess I overcome being a beginner is that... Cheers.
2: Cheers. If it was in the question,
3: it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> is that sometimes I just old And I'm like, okay with that now. So like, there, I mean, there are, there are, there are often times I'll listen to, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, mainly just front end happy hour, but there are some others. And
0: uh, <laughs> you listen to yourself talk, <laughs>
3: no, actually don't, I don't listen to front happy hour. But anyway, um, I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts and like, you know, on, on, um, there, there are a lot of smart people out there, and like oftentimes, I'll listen to people talk about things, and I'm like, "Wow, like I, I could not have thought of that, or that is that's like way kind of like above what I'm doing right now." But you, you have to realize that like everyone's working on something that is, and they're they're like when they talk about something, they're they're specifically focused on that. So it's it sometimes it feels like they're they're like so much smarter than you or whatever but it's not really that it's just that they've been and I think you just have to be okay with that eventually and you have to you have to understand that I think it's actually a bad thing if you feel like you're the smartest person like you know if you and I I mean I, I think I have been in a job i know at least one job i've been in where i felt like i was like the person on the team that everyone went to and there was like no one that i would go to and then i actually left that job because of that reason and i think like if you ever feel that way that's that's a bad thing that's not a good thing that's that's a sign that you're not being challenged so like you should always feel that like there's someone smarter and someone that you be challenged by the fact that you maybe the imposter syndrome thing i think the imposter syndrome thing can be a good thing if you're
0: You need to get out of your comfort zone yeah like i think that's exactly what you're saying
3: i think it's just it's just being okay with that like as a beginner you're you're maybe you feel just intimidated constantly cheers
1: Cheers.
3: (laughs) you just feel like that's not okay but like as you progress in your career you start to understand that that's that's a good thing
2: i think maybe one of the things that helped me get over the hump of like feeling like I, i didn't know how to solve something was that I had a mentor. So I feel like there's there's two sides to this. Like be per, like have perseverance and be be curious and be resourceful and like now there's so much available to you online to find answers, but do that for sure, but then also like a good company is going to make sure the beginners have resources to help them, including people. And so spend some time digging into it and then like, you know, you spend an hour on something and you're not getting anywhere, like hopefully your company has made it clear to you that like as as this new person that you have this person that's a mentor somebody that you can go to to ask questions or like you were saying some every company has somebody that is nice and you know that they're going to be helpful to you that you could go out and ask that question and then they can help lead you so like the combination of being curious and persevering and just like not giving up and also knowing at some point there's somebody to help you i think is huge
1: yeah i totally agree and i think like on the idea of asking questions a lot I also think it's important like I I do get a little bit I'm trying to say it in a nice way annoyed when like someone comes up to me and they haven't really thought through anything it's like it's not working yeah like that's not the kind of questions I'm I'm talking about I'm talking about someone who like it's not working they tried this 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 and they want to come to you with like hey I tried this and I don't know what else to do uh, I think people that are willing to help are much more willing to help you at that point because they realize that you went through the effort of like trying all these and they'll kind of guide you. Whereas like if you just go to them with like nothing, then there's, it's much harder because then they're basically doing your job for you at that point.
3: Yeah, you just go to Stack Overflow and you can see that. Like if yeah. somebody posts like one line, one line question, you know, and it's like, everyone's kind of like negative, negative votes. <laughs> um, well, I think that
0: that really is it, is like you outline all the things that you've already tried. Now you actually help them to be able to like pinpoint an issue, they're gonna go through all those things that you already did too. So if you're like, I tried this, this, and this, this is what I expected to see, but this is not what I saw, that helps really pinpoint the issue. They might actually be able to see something a lot quicker so that you wouldn't be as annoyed, which I, I completely agree. And I think this is even something that in a senior engineer we, we do, is we run into issues all the time, but it's all about how you ask for help from another colleague. It's not, eh, it's broken. Well, what about it is broken? Like, what did you try? What are the things that you went through? And I think that's really, really. You also
3: well. save the, solve the problem yourself a lot of times. Like it's the, I guess it's the rubber duck. The rubber stuff. duck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
3: but like, you know, if you, if you going back to the Stack Overflow example, if you really try to go through all the things that you've solved when you're asking the question, a lot of times, I, I, often I found myself, like I rarely post on Stack Overflow, but like often if I do, I will answer my question <laughs> as I'm like typing out the question. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing if you go to somebody and you you know, who you work with. If you take the time to, to go through all the things you've tried, sometimes you'll even answer answer the question. If not, then you have the then you have the like the full what I've tried thing.
2: And I think it is fair to for someone who maybe like let's say they just came out of like a boot camp or something, and they, they are like I don't even know what I should try to figure out how to solve this problem. That's fair because then you're like okay. I, am going to work with you, pair with you and show you how to solve things. And then that person picks that up over time and they start to then not ask that same question. So that'll be the progression like of, of it's okay to ask that and say, I don't even know what to troubleshoot. I don't even know how to start. But If you ask
0: the same question over and over again, like a year year
2: later, if you're still like doing that, like, that's not cool. Like you've, you've (laughs) probably seen how to troubleshoot things at that, by that point.
0: I feel like I'll echo the same things like from what I learned is a lot just leaning on my colleagues and really asking questions. But I also found like when I started, I would go home and do a lot of programming just like on the side, building side projects, just really pushing myself to learn more. To be honest, at that time there weren't podcasts or even YouTube videos. I don't even know if YouTube existed. I don't think it did. That's sad. (laughs) 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 Or even Twitter. You couldn't just reach out to someone on Twitter and ask a question. I don't even know if Twitter might have been around at the time, but I'm just thinking back to that. There wasn't really those people to go to. Stacy, you mentioned finding a mentor. I, I think that's a really great thing to have, but I feel like a lot of people struggle with How do you get a mentor? Like, how do you go about that? And I think that's often a question I hear. I don't have an answer, but I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on that.
2: I think that's why it's great what what you're doing, Preeti, about like putting stuff out there to share with many people because of that scaling issue. You can't, I want to do this too. Like, I've been in this field for a long time and I want to help others, but. I can't possibly take the time to be like a personal mentor to every single person that I've met that needs that kind of thing. So I think what you're doing is is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, Preeti has a great YouTube series where I think what you've done, like three or four videos now, where it's really like, I'm a beginner and this is what I went through, and definitely a great way to mentor a lot of people rather than just a one on one.
1: Yeah. How's the
0: experience been?
1: It's been amazing. Like, I think the key with mentorship is you're not going to be able to give everyone like individual answers and that's you have to realize that and the key is like instilling core principles in them rather than answers because core principles take you a long way answers take you one avenue but not the whole thing so that's what i try to do i kind of try to generalize a question and kind of talk about how i thought through the problem so they kind of kind of get a sense for the pathway to solving other problems similarly Because, yeah, like, I think a lot of people, when they ask for mentorship, they ask for very specific questions. Like, I'll get emails about, like, such narrow questions. I'm like, there's no way I can answer that and be helpful to you in the long run. Like, that'll solve your current problem, but it won't solve everything, right? So I try to be more general. And I still get follow-ups, like, hey, can you give me a specific way to do this, this, this? And I'm like, no, that's not the point. Uh, But on the question of finding mentors, I think it's hard to answer that question. You're right. For me, it's always been organic. Uh, either at a company, I really clicked with someone and they were willing to help and I liked them. Or it was like, I met someone at like some meetup and we, we coded together and I really liked them. So it's always been organic rather than like me reaching out and be like, hey, do you wanna be my mentor? Sometimes that has worked, but mostly it's been organic.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think a lot of times I've had yeah, colleagues that I've just, maybe it wasn't even mentioned that I treated them like a mentor, but I just kept learning from them a lot and you know would lean on them I found even in my career now, even sometimes on Twitter, like I might even like send someone a message, like a DM message to say like, hey, how would you handle this? And like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and feedback on maybe how I've done that is almost even reaching outside of the company that I'm working at. Cause I think that's a powerful tool. I've been asked questions on Twitter and I will respond. Like, and I, you know, I'm like, hey, if I can help, that's great. So I think it, it is great that there are tools available for that too, is it doesn't necessarily have to be someone at your company. And that doesn't even make you a mentor, it's like just asking someone a question that's not like a, hey, I'm going to meet with you weekly, or it's just like ask someone some questions and get their feedback and thoughts on that. I've even taken phone calls where, just like during the day, I've taken a couple phone calls with someone who's asked like, hey, would you take 30 minutes to just talk through some things that I'm going through? I'm like, sure, I don't have a problem doing that. I mean, there again, it doesn't scale. I can't do that all all twenty four hours of my day, but yeah, even doing that was very useful. I
3: think that's the problem with mentor um the whole mentor thing is why nothing has worked like everyone's tried to do it, but the whole mentorship like app where you find a mentor or you find a mentee but it, because it doesn't scale, mm-hmm. so like I think the way you can make it scale is that you don't have to worry about it scaling, and that and I guess is what you guys are saying is that it will. You, you can have these individual conversations with somebody that you respect or you look up to whether it's on twitter or whether it's at your job or whether it's wherever and you 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 just respect the way that they they work or or they just them as, as as an engineer or whatever you know you you respect and that you look up to and then you have conversations with about about things
1: yeah. and also like for anyone looking for mentorship i think it's all about how you ask makes a huge difference. Like, I can know whether I'm going to respond to an email within the first sentence. And it's just like, it, I don't even that's know That's so I, true. It's, yeah. so, it's like, I either go back or I, I read the whole thing. And it's like, like one number of com- common sense thing is, like, don't send an email that's, like, two, three pages long. There's no way I'm going to finish reading that. Like, we all have busy lives. So, like... I love when people can be empathetic or sympathetic to the other reader and be like, okay, I need to just get to the point and ask the question, not like go through my life story and then get to the question at the last thing, right? Um, so I think being good at asking or like asking questions is such a good such a good skill set to gain, I think.
0: That's such a good point too, is the big ass email. That I, and I've totally resp- like seen that and it scares me and I won't respond right away. But if it's a very quick, quick to the point I, I can digest it a lot easier the TLDR but I, I honestly do find that I get anxiety about oh shit I can't read that right now I'm too busy right now and it's hard to get back to that mass of email so that's a good point I like that.
2: I think there's a responsibility for companies too and also senior engineers or senior front-end devs or whatever you want to call them to make it a part of the role and responsibility of that of that person to help new people and to be quote, the mentor, um, not everybody's good at it, and I think that's also why, like, there's a lot of bigger companies out there that offer training for, ma- for managers, how to be a good manager. Well, maybe we should offer training for senior in- engineers for how to be a good mentor, how to be a good teacher, because not everyone is, like, some people are really smart, and they're really good engineers, but they can't teach, and they can't, like, transition that knowledge in a way that's, like, kind and empathetic. Maybe there's classes that you could offer at your company to teach, you know, those those skills and therefore everyone is is better for it
0: yeah if if companies do that that's amazing
2: i don't think there are many companies that do that this is my little pipe dream i think like that would be a great thing for the industry as a whole is that we start to offer that and
0: well i think even there's been times like at netflix we've brought in people to speak on certain topics to even just up level our knowledge on something whether it be you know react or for dealing with like svgs or something like that there's so many people that are way smarter than us and they've really dived deep into that subject matter and so it's like really useful to just say hey can you come speak to us for a bit and share your knowledge and then we can ask some questions and you know within an hour or two you learn a ton so i think there is like more companies need to do that
2: yeah the getting over the hump thing like if you're picking a new framework and everybody on your team has to like learn this new framework then maybe bring in like a trainer or somebody to do like a a one like a couple day uh course for everybody on the team like that's huge everybody learns that that's i think one way to help not everybody at all levels not just beginners
0: cheers <laughs> we kind of started talking about it but what are some ways that others in the industry can start helping new people notice i didn't use the word beginner <laughs> cheers
2: <laughs> i mean i think we've been talking about it a lot i think like what you're what you're doing of Putting stuff on YouTube and sharing in large swaths, I think is is a, that I think that's huge. Um, there's also uh, Twitch. Like I think that's kind of a cool thing that I've been seeing a lot of people do. Is like. Live coding and sharing how they approach problems, awesome! Like, I really wish something like that existed when I first started. Um, that's actually at first when I
0: heard about people doing that on Twitch, I thought it was nuts. I was like, no, no one's gonna watch that. But it's so useful. Yeah, it's like paired programming to the masses. Like, so there again with Preeti giving having the videos that people can watch and learn from. It's like, no, this is like literally you can live watch someone coding. And I've learned a lot from paired programming. Like I've sat with engineers and on my team now or other teams and you work on a problem together. And you start to learn how their IDEs set up, how their system, everything. And you're like, oh, that's a nice little shortcut that I can leverage. But also how they approach a problem. You learn a lot. And so watching someone code on Twitch is amazing. I, I Just honestly, at first, at my first reaction was like, oh, that's so weird. But it's not. It's yeah. so good.
1: I wish more people, I wish there was a streamlined way to find these. Because I think it's so amazing. Like if I was a beginner, I would just hold cheers, cheers. <laughs> I would totally take advantage of that like I wish I had I wish I had that when I was starting out yeah yeah seeing senior programmers with experience code is a huge like that's how I learned too I would just watch these YouTube videos of people giving more formal like tutorials like hey here's to build how to build this but if it's like live I think it's even more valuable because mm-hmm. like you get to see the mistakes they're making and I, I watched one where like she was de- she made a mistake and she de- debug her debugged her way through it and it was like such a valuable thing to see and i can't imagine ha- having that resource
0: Right, because on the YouTube video, they're probably editing out where they've made the mistake and so you don't actually see it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's like, no, the Twitch video is live and there's no room for it. Or if you make a mistake, you see how you debug. Yeah, That's really cool. You've kind of highlighted it as well, even in Preethi talking about your experiences. But I honestly think it is just sharing your experiences, I think, is very encouraging to hear that other people have gone through this. This is normal. It's, you know... It sucks it's you know you go through all the emotions that you go through when you're learning but it's okay everyone had that point and they're going through it and I still go through it so like that's that's the thing
1: I think that was my main thing that I was trying to convey in the talk at react rally it's like it's okay as senior programmers or mid-level programmers whatever we are to be vulnerable Uh, it's like I think there's this like like eliteness to being a senior programmer and like you, under the covers no one knows actually what you do and how you get how you got there but I think it's like I think people just need to be more open because I wish that's what I one of the things like I remember before joining Coinbase I just had no idea what it'd be what, what an engineering job was like and it shouldn't be that way it should be I should know what it's like to be an engineer on a job and anyone on the street who wants to become a programmer should know what it's like to be a job well uh, know what it's like to be an engineer but it's just such a dark it's just like hidden under the covers of like what it's like to be an engineer day to day and I think being vulnerable of like what, what kind of problems you solve what you run into is is super important I
0: think another thing too is learning to like be okay receiving constructive feedback. That's a really hard thing to do. One, giving feedback is hard, but also receiving it. I think it's good to really internalize the feedback that you're given, whether it's a mentor or another senior engineer or even just another peer that is junior as well and that you're learning from. I think it's like feedback is huge and you just have to like learn to internalize it. I I think that's a hard one to do, but I think it's really important is that we can learn from each other and feedback is so important.
2: Positive feedback is super important to be like, yep, I know you struggled with that problem for like three hours. Like, good like that's good I'm glad you did that like you are you are doing the right thing you are you're you're doing all anyways like to tell someone that they're doing the right things that that struggle wasn't a struggle that's just sort of how we work through our problems and to like reinforce that that's normal and that you're doing a good job there needs to be more of that there's a lot of like oh, you're not, you know, smart enough, or this isn't, you, know, you should figure that out sooner, or second. I could have wrote that in five minutes. Yeah, like some, <laughs> some nasty comment on a pull request, like, all that, like, we need less of that, we need more encouragement.
3: Yeah, I've heard a lot of uh, beginner. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Engineers will say, like, I can't believe I spent five hours on this problem. You know, um, yeah, we all have, like, that's, that's, and still do, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's a thing, and, and you... Uh, that's the way that you learn and um but i think like just re inf- re like reaffirming that that's normal um and on pull requests too like to your comment about feedback like i think it's it's re- it's very valuable to uh, especially when you have like a junior engineer in your team to make sure that like 50 percent of your feedback is uh, there's not to be a certain percentage but like the, the, the your feedback should be positive and negative you know and like yeah, maybe sometimes it's no, not no, no. not negative, constructive. Constructive, yeah. Negative, yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's it's just valuable to to recognize when things are done right.
2: It's huge. I've I've talked to a couple people that are new um, to the industry on the team I'm on, and they are they're like pull requests are so really like really hard for them. They're like the, the it's like this emotional thing with like the the comments are not just comments. They feel like they are you know personal, right? And so I think it is very important for us to be um, positive in pull requests and to say, like, hey, like that was nice. Like, good job with that thing. Or, like, that piece of code was really good. Or, I don't know, to put some sort of encouragement in them. And instead of it's always being always being some sort of constructive criticism, have it be positive as well. Negative means that.
3: <laughs> but like, we go back to, we go back to like, I'm sorry. No, no go, go, ahead. Ahead. We go back to like what we were talking about, I think at the very beginning is that like, we get so used sometimes to, to it being a certain way that like people come, people, people come into the industry that are new and like, aren't used to that. And like, we're so used to maybe like getting all of these, like, you know, very direct criticisms and, Whereas people that are new are not used to that, and like I think you just have to like it's just it's just going back to like it's it's really hard sometimes to distance yourself from like spending years in the industry to like going back to your first first um, first time with like doing something, and you tend to forget that I guess,
0: and I think it's important to try to remember what it was
3: like.
1: Yes. I love that you
0: just said that. I was like empathy. That is exactly what it That's is. That's what I was like trying not, to say. When one you word. were saying
1: that, I was thinking about it, and I was like, actually, I appreciate the people who are like direct to me right now. But when I was a beginner, um, we, I didn't appreciate. I, I used to get like I thought it was a personal attack against my code or my thing, and so I think it's like your feedback you should empathize with the person you're giving feedback to and like really think of put yourself in their shoes and be like how would this person react to this and like if it's like someone you worked with for five years you can probably say something super direct and they won't take it personal but if it's like a brand new person on your team like you probably want to be a little bit more like constructive yeah yeah yeah
0: no i think that's valid and especially in pull requests like i think to all your points there i was thinking about i'm like yeah for the most part if i'm going to make a comment on a pull request it's like Hey, why did you do this or like can we change that or this isn't as performant or it's like questioning that, but with someone who's newer, it's like making sure that you highlight this is amazing, like this part is good and then, you know, and making uh, it and
3: make it a and make it a way that they can learn too. Like one of the one of the shittiest things I think in a pull request is when somebody comments on something that you wrote and said, "This is basically like maybe they'll say this but this is shit like you should change this well okay well why should i change it but then most of some of the times that person doesn't know how they would do it better so like what i always appreciate is when somebody is like takes the time to think about like how they would do it better and and like puts that in the comment and maybe you don't have to write the like full implementation in the comment but like you You have at least thought about it, and that forces you to think about it when you're giving comment or when you're giving feedback to somebody like this is how i would this is like generally how I would do it
2: and, and even better if you if some new if it's a new person and they've they've submitted this pull request and there are a lot of things wrong with it, maybe they didn't do anything right <laughs> <laughs> that's fine <laughs> like maybe they didn't have any help and nobody's helping them instead of tearing apart the pull requests me like, that's wrong, that's wrong, everything's wrong. Hundred comments of wrong, wrong, wrong. Like just walk over to them and be like, Oh my hey. God, yes. Just just approach them and be like, hey, I was like taking a look at your pull requests. Um, would you mind if we work together on improving it? There's some cool things I can show you blah, 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 and then sit down with them, pair program it, fix it, push it up instead of doing, like, 10 million comments, because 10 million comments to a new person, and even a senior person, is really, is, like, awful. Like, that's not, I feel like that's the really not human way to deal with um, the root cause of something. The root cause is you should be pairing more, you should be helping each other more, and not tearing each other apart in pull requests.
1: Yeah, I think it's, like at some point sometimes I feel like some people feel good doing it it's like getting you, you get like a million notifications from someone like shitting on someone's code and they probably feel so good doing it but like I, I appreciated it like I remember when I first started Coinbase was written in Ruby I think and I was like I didn't know Ruby and like it was my first pull request and like the person who code reviewed it instead of sending me 20 different notifications with my with the feedback he was like walked up to me and pulled this chair and he's like all right let's figure this out together and like that's so much better so much less daunting than having to receive all those things and be like, okay, wh- wh- how do I solve this? Like, what do I do? And like freaking out that I didn't do a good job or something. Yep.
2: It's so impersonal and it's also very public yeah. and that's not cool. That's, like yeah. public shaming or whatever, like this culture of shame tech or whatever, like stop that, just be helpful. And
3: it's lazy. Like, yeah, I feel like it's lazy to yeah. just, just go through and just rip apart somebody's code. Cause you're like, oh yes, like this is the one I can actually write a lot of feedback on, you know, like, no come on like uh, yeah i agree Uh, if you can just not write anything and go over to somebody's desk and give them personal feedback or if you're not in the same office you know you can do it in other ways it doesn't have to it can be yeah yeah
0: it doesn't have to be so public because i think that is daunting too is the fact that it's like not only are you receiving the feedback that's fine but it's like everyone else can see this yeah and it's like oh my god they think my code's so bad and like this other person saw it and, and That first pull request at any company in general, even... I don't think you ever get over it because it's like the first pull request is always that scary moment where you're like, this is my code and take a look at it. And it's scary because you're like, I don't know how they're going to receive this. I don't know how they're going to respond. And so even someone who's very junior or someone who's very senior, I think you all have to deal with that. And that is scary. So getting a bunch of daunting comments, that's terrible. I like the just... Take a step back, go talk to them, and work that problem out. All right, at the end of each episode, we like to share pics of things that we found interesting and would like to share. Let's go around the table and share today's pics for this episode. Preethi, do you have any pics you'd like to share with our audience?
1: Yeah, sure. I guess I'll talk about... Uh, I'll pick things that help me as a beginner learn.
0: Yeah, um, that'd be awesome. So
1: one of, the, one of the things I... The way I got to where I am quickly is by just like shoving information in my face and like just like learning things from a million different angles. I think that's what helped me the most. So one thing I did was listen to podcasts all the time. So like fun and happy hour, software engineering daily, change log. Um, So I would say like listen to podcasts because even if you don't understand what's going on or what they're saying, that's fine. I think like this terminology will start to get more familiar to you and you'll start to put these pieces together and I think I grew as a programmer so much by listening to podcasts. So I'd say like podcasts are my first pick. Two is follow the right, follow people on Twitter that you, like that are in your space like JavaScript React Flow whatever it is whatever you're coding like follow people and like really listen to what they're having to say because that helped me a lot like I followed Dan and a bunch of the Facebook engineers and a bunch of Netflix engineers and just like just like honestly just like stalk them and learn from them and that's how I learned really quickly um, and I'd say my third resource was I found a few blogs that I really really liked and like for example. Free Code Camp has like a, a blog that I think is phenomenal for beginners or like a few people that I really like their writing of and just like stock all their blogs and learn from them. So it's I think like my my pick is basically a bunch of resources because I think the best way to get good really fast is to learn things from different angles. And don't learn thing don't learn something from one source and think you're done because there's so many gaps to fill and you fill that by like seeing it from different angles
0: i think that's a really good point i love even hearing what you said about podcasts because i always wonder is like how much can you learn from podcasts because you're typically listening to maybe driving or walking or whatever you're doing on your commute and i I think it is true is that you do learn like just hearing things and you can kind of i don't understand that but i might go look it up after i like that that's that's really cool derek what do you have
3: um so my first one is a um program that i just tried going through it's called cs50 it's a harvard um program and um what i like about it is the instructor or the professor is really animated and really engaging his name is david malon i guess his name but um like if you're a beginner and you want to learn like some like computer science fundamentals i think it's a really good program to go through it's free and um you can go through you can do exercises it's good um, the other thing that I recently started using is Pocket Cast which is a podcast app and I've been looking for like a good podcast app and you know I'm a huge Apple person I hate the well, I like <laughs> that you're getting I out of the, the Apple native, world there I hate the native podcast app on Apple I've actually used Overcast for a while and I actually don't love Overcast so um, Pocket Cast is cool because you can load you can um, create playlists and stuff out of it and uh, they, they like stay with you versus trying like be intelligent about it which I hate about podcast apps so and then the other one is more of an iOS um, podcast but I really like it's called Fatal Error um, I saw um, one of the guys at uh, TriSwift, a recent conference I was at in New York, and he you know, spoke at this conference, but um, he's also self-taught, and um, he didn't go through computer science, and he's one of the guys on this podcast, and it's a really cool podcast. It's about design patterns on iOS, but it's called Fatal Air. It's definitely worth checking out if you're into any sort of iOS development. Nice. Stacy. what do you have?
2: All right, three picks. Um, so the first pick I know has been probably a pick on Many episodes, but for an episode where we're talking about being new to the industry, I really do feel like Frontend Masters is, and I know we have multiple people that are panelists that are actually teachers on it. Um, but I, I've found it so valuable to watch people, um, not only speak but see their their screen and then take it, this ability to like pause and play and 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 build the thing that they're they're talking through. It, there's so many great courses on there. I think it's a phenomenal resource if you're just starting out.
0: Not even just starting out. Like I feel like uh, it's, still now, it's still one. It's still useful. Yeah. yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yep. And then the other two have or nothing to do with that. Well, NordicJS, I'll I'll mention that. Um, I just went to that. Um, Mars did a really great talk at that, um, and it's a really great conference. Uh, similar to uh, other conferences, but also different in that it was. I don't know. There, it had sort of an interesting. Techno party vibe going to it. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It was very unique, and I, and I like that. Um, the talks were also really well done. Um, so if you get a chance and you want to explore Stockholm, I think you should get some tickets to Nordic JS next year. Um, and then my third pick is, uh, while attending that conference, also decided to do some more exploring and went to Norway and saw some fjords. And everything's beautiful. Everything is just very uh, epic and beautiful. Those are the, the two words I would use for almost everything that I saw there. So um, if you ever have the opportunity, you should definitely check it out.
0: Well, following your Instagram, it definitely showed how epic and, <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah, so, so Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, i have two picks one actually since we've been talking about all Preethi's talk and that inspired this was the talk at react rally you gave which was we all started somewhere so definitely check out Preethi's talk it is now available on youtube that uh, reactor alley in salt lake city and then my second pick is a documentary that i watched i believe it was yesterday on netflix called fed up it's talking about like all the sugars in foods and how bad it is and like they compare it to how smoking was in like 1950 when they started saying how bad it was and how long it took to actually get rid of smoking and ban it from like marketing and everything like that and it kind of was really eye opening how crazy like sugar is marketed to kids and like you have Pepsi and Coke not to pick on them but they have like will advertise in schools and it's it's pretty crazy just to see what that industry is doing and maybe to question it a bit. So it's a really, really powerful uh, documentary. I highly recommend checking that one out. So before we end the episode, I want to thank Preeti for joining us as a guest. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you. Where can people get in touch with you?
1: You can email me at Preeti at PreetiReady.com or tweet at me, probably is the best option.
0: And on Twitter you are?
1: I am underscore Preeti.
0: Perfect. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. We'd love to hear your stories about when you first started out. Tweet at us at FrontEndHH. Any last words? Beginner. 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 Cheers. (laughs)